Well, good morning and a welcome. Um, it's a sign of getting old, maybe, is I was doing the same thing as I did a couple other messages ago. Forgot to give Kyle the PowerPoint. Had the uh, instruction class. Just kind of got off of routine, I guess, and uh, didn't see Kyle out there. Was in the library and then just sat down right away and space my mind but anyway we're here and uh, today I feel led to uh, walk through some different kinds of um, faith that we find in second James and I don't know how many of you know that uh, Martin Luther would have called James the Book of Straw. And, you know, I think I can say that I'm allowed to have this righteous offense and a righteous anger at that because evidently he did not believe that the whole scriptures has one author and that is God. There were 36 writers, I think, but there's one author. And one should not be over the other. It's all one. Sometimes the writer wrote in a way that we can understand it better. It's, I have my favorites, but he never cast one out as straw. I'm not here to degrade him, but it's a concern. And I hope no one here believes that. If we live by James, we're not building on straw because it's the word of God. So I've titled this message, The Three Kinds of Faith. Faith is an essential element in the Christian's life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the Christian is saved by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The Christian is to walk or live by faith, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And whatever we do apart from faith is described as sin. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. I realize he was, Paul was just writing about the meat offered to um, the idols or whatever, and then all this. But today we don't have that. But the word still stands that whatever is done that is not done out of faith is sin. So, um, let's say if we came today at church and it's not out of our faith because we believe in Jesus and this is what we are called to do, we are to be together fellowshipping in one accord, it's actually sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If, let's say the ladies... If you have that, the veil, the covering, 
if you do not wear that because of your faith and it's the commandment of God's word, you might as well not wear it. Is that too blunt? But it's sin. You are living in sin. If you are wearing the covering and you do not have the conviction for it that it's out of faith that I'm wearing this. That's why we're losing it. It's not out of faith. That's why some of the beliefs that we're losing, we're losing because we don't have faith in it. It's not out of faith. We haven't been doing it out of faith. Then we lose it. And if I understand this right, it's really for whatever is not from faith is really sin. Because that's how we please God. It's important to realize, however, that there are different kinds of faith, but only one is truly saving faith. In James, the second book of James, we find him discussing the different kinds of faith with an emphasis upon that faith which, with, which works to the saving of the soul. So beginning in verse 14 to 17, we notice the first kind of faith. It's the dead faith. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Let's put it in today. We have faith. We say we're born again. And I believe it's true. But I am telling you, if you have experienced grace, it will change you. You have no choice. It will change you. That's what the grace of God does. When you are saved, you become a new being. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It changes you. If you have not changed, you have not experienced that saving grace. I'm sorry. If you have not changed, you have not experienced it. Because it will change you. You can't help it. When Jesus Christ comes in and you are in Christ and you are one with him, your life has changed. Totally. That's what he is saying. It's not saying that we do enough good, then we're saved. That's not what James is saying. It's because of our faith is why we do what we do. That's what he's saying. And if we say we have faith and we're not doing anything, it's a dead faith. It's not a saving faith. Does that make sense? This kind of faith substitutes words for deeds. See, they have the right vocabulary for prayer and sound doctrine, and they can even quote the right verses. But their walk does not measure up to their talk. It is only an intellectual faith. It's a mind thing. You think it happened, 
In one's mind, he or she knows the doctrine of salvation, but they have never really submitted themselves to God and trusted in Jesus for salvation. The dead faith. They know the right words, but it's not backed up. They do not back up their words with their works. Or maybe I should say works of love is what follows. Can this faith save? No. Three times he says it's dead. Any declaration of faith that does not result in a changed life and good works is a false declaration. It's a dead faith. Dead faith is counterfeit faith and lulls the person into a false confidence of eternal life. See, if we're stuck in that it's just this mental, it's intellectual, and it hasn't changed us, then we have this false hope. Then when we, I sense that maybe this is what Jesus was saying, that not all that say, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Of, into the kingdom. See, he actually calls them, you workers of iniquity. Then they say, well, when did we see you in this way? And when did we not cast out, have we not cast out devils in your name? And all these good things. Have we not done this? See, they had a dead faith. It's a counterfeit faith. They thought they were saved. They thought they were doing the right thing. On to the next one, 18 to 20, is a demonic faith. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Perhaps to, to shock any complacent Readers, James reminds us that even demons have a kind of faith. So let's look at um, what kind of faith. They believe in God. <coughs> Excuse me. There's no atheist there. They even believe in the deity of Christ. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. They know. They believe in the existence of a place of condemnation. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the deep or the abyss, which is actually the bottomless pit, if you look it up in the original language. And then they were cast into the swine. Okay, and they believe Jesus will be the judge. When he had come to the other side, to the country of Jerjesans, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no man could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, what have, we do, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? You see, the demons, they believe, but they don't live it. You see, we saw that in the dead faith, it touched only the intellect. 
Well, in the demonic faith is one step above that. It's an intellectual and an emotional faith. They tremble. That's the emotions. You know, we, we also need that part. That we are so in awe of God that we tremble of who God is. So do we have this kind of faith? We do if we just believe the right things and feel the right things. We do if our service to God does not go beyond intellectually adhering to the right doctrines and emotional experiences while attending services. If that's all it is, it's actually just a demonic faith. Can this kind of faith save? No. A person can be enlightened in his mind and even stirred in his heart and still be lost forever. True saving faith involves something more, something that can be seen and recognized, a changed life. So far, James has in introduced us to two kinds of faith that can never save. The dead faith involving the intellect and the demonic faith involving intellect and the emotions. But it stops there. So now, what is this saving faith? He closes the section with the dynamic faith. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justifi justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So what kind of faith is the dynamic faith? It's based on the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is what we live by. It changed us. And it involves, it involves the whole man. The dynamic faith involves the intellect, the emotions, and our will. That's where many fail. We have not surrendered our will. I'm not saying here, but as a whole, the churchgoers. If the reason I say churchgoers, if I say Christians, they're saved. 
but there are some churchgoers that are not saved. That's not to be judgmental, but it's just the facts. If God does not have my will, I'm not saved. All things have become new. That's everything. My mind, will, and emotion. Have they, have, has everything become new in you? Has it happened? I guess I'll share it. When you're born again, or let me just ask a question first. Do we have a vision for the kingdom? Is my life Is my life a reflection of Jesus? You know, Jesus came, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And actually, then we find out, or the way I understand it, Jesus is actually the kingdom. Because the kingdom is within you. So when Jesus Christ is within us, the kingdom is within us. And he is the way. I'm getting into my meditation of another message, but I'm going to share some of it. The only way that we can have the kingdom vision is being born again. Because he said, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And if you're not born of the water and the spirit, you can't enter. So if we are not born again, we can't see the kingdom. So there's no way we can even have that vision. And I should drop it because I'm getting into too much in another subject for another day. But that's my concern. We don't have the kingdom vision. I'm really going to step out. And you can smack me later, I guess, because I'm accountable. But on the backs of the bulletin, you see a negative in front of the school, offer, the school account. You see a negative in front of the expense. There's hardly anything in mission. Is that kingdom vision? Should that be a negative if we have a kingdom vision? Just a question. Where is my priority? To me, it's humbling. Where is my, uh, wh what am I focused on? Life is way more than growing up, getting a job, making lots of money, saving up, and dying, and there it is, over. That's not why we're here for. 
there needs to be a revival. We must be revived. That is, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his face, we repent from our wicked way. Then he will come and he will heal our land. That's revival. We're in trouble. We need true faith. As you can see, it's a great, great burden on my heart. We've lost the vision. And the only way to have the vision is being born again. Totally, totally surrendered. Totally new. All things have become new. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's all that I live for anymore. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life I live. Is that the life I live? Can I say that with Paul? Or do I come first? Is my will first? Or is it God's will? Totally surrendered. I hope I got the rabbit on that one. They say it's all right to go down a rabbit trail if we get the rabbit. You see, the mind understands the truth. The heart desires and rejoices in the truth. The will acts upon that truth. And if we haven't surrendered the will, we're not going to act upon the truth. Being a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for Christ. You first receive the life then you reveal the life. If you're not revealing the life, then you have not received the life. When Jesus has our mind, will, and emotion, he will, we will be a changed person. It's, it's just that simple. We're going to change. You know, sometimes we hear these. Lame excuses, may, may I say? I don't want to sound critical. But you, you just have to excuse me. That's just the way I am. I, I want to do better, you know. Or maybe it's, well, that's just their nature. It may be our nature that we're born with. But when you're born again, I have one word for that. And that's, like a, maybe I should say a Greek word for that. That's baloney. That's no longer an excuse for you if you're born again. We are to be partakers of the divine nature of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's in his divine power. 
It is the working of God himself that he transplants us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We're moved. No longer my old nature. I am now a partaker of the divine nature of God. I mean, I don't know how many years ago it was, I started praying to God. It's just, God, I want to hate what you hate, and I want to love what you love. He granted it. But at times, it's almost overwhelming. There's this burning, fierce, almost anger when I see some of the sin that happens. It almost, I almost can't handle it. At times, I get depressed. Then I wonder, is that what God thinks? He hates sin. And if we are partakers of his divine nature, we will hate sin. We have a new nature. We're now living by faith. We no longer have that counterfeit faith or that we're a counterfeit Christian. True faith, true saving faith leads to action. It is not intellectual contemplation. It is not emotionalism. It is that which leads to obedience in doing good works. So in closing, it is important that each professing Christian examine their own heart and life and make sure they possess true saving faith, which is a dynamic faith. Satan is a great deceiver. One And one of his devices is imitation. Just imitate it. If he convince, excuse me, if he can convince a person with counterfeit faith and that counterfeit faith is true faith, then he, he has that person in his power. That's what I was talking about when the other, with one of them is, you know, where we come to the end, we thought we were saved. But it's actually a counterfeit faith. And if you remember, a lie believed is just as powerful as the truth. A lie believed is just as powerful as the truth. So if we believe in the counterfeit faith, to us, it's just as powerful as what we think true faith would be and what true faith really is, if that makes sense. When we believe that lie, it's just as powerful as the truth. Here are some questions that we can ask ourselves as we examine our faith. Do I understand and confess that I cannot save myself? Have we gotten to that place? I cannot save myself. So please understand, when I'm saying faith with works, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that my works is what will get me into heaven. It's out of my faith, automatically, the true faith, there will be works that follow. Please understand that. That we ourselves cannot save ourselves. We can only respond to the one of the works that we do, if God extends his grace, if we don't accept it, then it doesn't save us either. 
So we need to accept it. That's one thing we need to do. Did I sincerely repent of my sins, making the decision to turn from them? All things have become new. Do I now hate sin and fear God? Or do I secretly sin and want to enjoy it? Where am I? Am I, a, am I a partaker of the divine nature of God? Have I trusted Christ and in him alone for my salvation by responding to the commands that he has given? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, is what Jesus said. Has there been a change in my life? Do I maintain good works or are my good works occasional and weak? Do I see... Do I seek to grow in the things of the Lord? Can others tell that I have been with Jesus? Do I have a desire to share Christ with others, or am I ashamed of him? Do I enjoy the fellowship of God's people? Is worship a delight to me? Am I ready for the Lord's return, or will I be ashamed when he comes for me? I think I'll take a little time yet. There was a time that I had the demonic faith. When I, when I would think of the end, finally it was just, man, I, I can't even think of this anymore. I mean, I just can't think of this. If that's where you're at and you're not looking forward to the end, you don't have the dynamic faith. I was there. I would fear the end. But when, once his spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are his son, there's a peace that comes and we actually look forward to that day when Christ comes. We should be looking for that day, not fearing that day. See, the demons, they believe and tremble. And I was a trembler. But I believed with all my heart, I thought, and I did. But I hadn't surrendered my will to him. And every now and then, you know, there's still times when it's hard to surrender my will. It's hard. This is not an easy road. This is not an easy life. It's a sacrifice. It's ugly. It's painful. But it's worth it. If we can look beyond today and look on the other side, it's worth it. Let's fight with all our might. Maybe I should rephrase that. Let's surrender with all surrendering because it's really won. The victory is won in Jesus. Why, I just had to think of, why do we want to crush the head when the, how can you crush a head that's already been crushed? And so many times we find ourselves fighting in that way, you know. I didn't mean it as far as fighting in our own strength, but we need to stand 
having done all to stand. It's worth it. It's worth it. May our prayer be similar to that of David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Just surrender all. Whatever comes to mind when you would pray this. If there's any wicked way in there. And if it comes to mind. Repent. It's not worth it. It's not worth harboring that sin. And you know, when we're in the will of God, is our life flying by the seat of our pants? I don't think it is. Just flying here and there and not really even living for anything. You know, that's not a surrendered will. A surrendered will, when it's surrendered to God, the life is going to have purpose. Does my life have a purpose? And that purpose is going to be for the kingdom. I'll close with prayer and then Henry, do you want to close the service? Heavenly Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for showing us the way through your son Jesus. Thank you how you've spoken to me. And Father, if there's a heart that is struggling or a soul that is struggling, may they be brave to surrender it to you or may they even be brave to find a brother or sister to confide in. that we can be as one here at Berea. One body with many members, working in harmony, accomplishing your will for your honor and for your glory. May everything that we say, do, think, all that we do, to your glory, to your honor. May we do it as unto you. Oh, Father, where there needs to be a heart transplant, I just pray that it would happen right now. That that stony heart would be removed and the heart of flesh would be planted instead that all of us would be translated or transplanted into your kingdom oh help us father it's your work and we can only do it 
in the power of your might. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, to have that dynamic faith in you. And through that, it changes our lives and gives us confidence and a hope that we press on and that our eyes are open to see a need, to see those who are hurting, to see those who are struggling, to see those who are without, and that we minister to those needs, that our faith is followed by works of love, all for your honor and for your glory that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven, Father. That is our will. That is our desire. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.